today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. Former jurors on some high-profile cases that we've had here in Hamilton and other parts of uh, the country over the last little while have uh, come forward now and uh, talked about being traumatized by graphic court evidence that uh, is presented in some of those trials. And uh, there, before now, the only way that this was ever dealt with was that the judge at the trial could order that there would be assistance for them. Well, not everybody came forward. Not every judge did that. So there was some problem about the impact that this was having on people that are doing their civic duty. Well, that was dealt with yesterday when Ontario's Attorney General Yasser Nakvi uh, came to the Johnson Pickett Courthouse here in downtown Hamilton and made this announcement. Well, so Hamilton has uh, seen some difficult uh, cases that go through. Bosma trial is is uh, is a very good example. So we felt that it was uh, appropriate to come to Hamilton uh, to talk about this to make sure that jurors who were involved uh, in that trial uh, knows uh, about the program and if they need access to it are able to access this program. It's called the Jury Support Program, and it will help as many people as possible, regardless of how much time has passed after they've served on a jury. Some are questioning whether this is even necessary. Well, let's talk to Theo Sellis about that, registered family therapist and, of course, president of Integrity Works. He joins us here on 900 CHML. Theo, good morning. How are you today? I'm terrible, Bill. I got this wicked cold going on, so I got this sexy, deep voice. Yeah, you're, you know, you're about kinda... two octaves lower than usual. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, I'm going to keep this voice. <laughs> we sound really professional, I think, too. Sure, sure. This is this is a great radio voice for you. <laughs> uh, listen, let, I want to talk about about trauma and and dealing with this. And and we've talked yeah. about PTSD in 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 light of uh, people that have served in the armed forces, for instance, maybe have been over in Afghanistan or in Bosnia years ago, whatever the case may have been, and the impact that it can have both short term and long term. Uh, talk to us about people that actually go and sit on a jury like this and the impact that this, this has on, on them. I mean, I, th- I think this cut an awful lot of people off guard that this can have such a traumatic and dramatic effect on people. Yeah, you know, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting development. And like many uh, well-intended develop- developments, it can, uh, it can actually do some really good. And, and interesting enough, from my perspective, it can also create some harm, too, if it's not done properly. Um, so, you know, the whole idea is how do people encounter different things that they deal with in such a way that they're able to deal with those things and then not have those particular experiences impact their lives negatively. In other words, can they go through an experience whether they actually deal with the situation themselves or by listening to someone else describe it, uh, start experiencing some of that sort of vicariously? Can they go through that without disrupting their own well-being, being able to disrupt their own mental health, their own uh, relationships uh, are they are are they going to be okay themselves after uh, either experiencing something directly or hearing someone else talk about uh, a, a difficult experience? So uh, there's some pros and cons about this, and we can certainly get into that. Well, let, let's talk about some of the the, the cons. I'm I'm in, intrigued by your comment that actually this this treatment might actually have an adverse effect. How so? Yeah. So on, on the quick side, I mean, it's nice to have the option. I think it's great. Jurors get absolutely nothing, or minimally nothing, for going through what they go through in terms of like you know, any kind of compensation. I think you don't get anything for a little while and then maybe $40 a day or whatever. So it's a hardship that we're imposing on people in response to their civic duty. And so I think it's great for them to have the option of getting help. The possible harm that could happen is how we come to think of events anyway. So you'll hear people talk a lot about traumatic events, right? And so I do a lot of um, crisis intervention and trauma debriefing and received a lot of training. And so uh, the interesting thing is, is that... There have been a number of research, a number of research showing that 
how you present this kind of topic to people will impact a lot about whether or not they're going to feel traumatized. So they, uh, in the 90s especially, everyone needed to have some trauma debriefer coming into their workplace if something happened in their work, you know, like someone got shot or committed suicide or some mm-hmm. quote-unquote traumatic event. The idea that if you didn't bring someone in there, all kinds of employees would have PTSD and, you know, it would be terrible and you have to make sure that people are okay. So you're doing this proactive thing and everyone, you know, every company sort of were falling over each other making sure that they took care of their employees. And then the research started coming out and saying, like, so is this really effective? Is, is all this trauma debriefing actually helping people prevent, are you preventing people from being traumatized by these things? And what they found was often, more often than not, the people who were, had the models coming in, the people coming into the trauma debriefing, more often than not, those employees ended up having more traumatic experiences, more PTSD than oftentimes when there was no intervention at all. And so people go, what? You know, that's not something that looks really good on your brochure when you're selling your services. Like, what? How do you explain that? Well, yeah, I mean, it seems incongruous because you figure, hey, right. well, you're getting help. Help, help should be some right. assistance, shouldn't it? So there's two things that have come out of the research. One is, um, one is when you force people to do something that they're not really feeling comfortable with, because not everyone has to deal with things by talking about things and kind of working in chemistry. We all have our different ways of dealing with things. Uh, when you force them to do things, because, you know, you have to sit around in this group of people and you have to talk about your feelings, that in itself may end up bringing up issues for people that they ordinarily wouldn't have had. But the second most important thing that they found was the expectancy that there was going to be trauma. It's people are very suggestible. So if you say, this is a traumatic event, and you're in danger of getting post-traumatic stress disorder, and if you don't do these things, if you don't talk about it in this particular way and get those kind of support, look at all the symptoms that you might end up getting, people started having those symptoms because they expected they must because they experienced a quote-unquote traumatic event. So it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy then. That is correct. And so the important thing, important thing here would be to really, uh, when you're having, when you're going into, a, if you're going to be a juror and you're going to be called into these situations, what would be more useful is uh, some information prior to this letting you know how to deal with these things rather than after the fact. So it would be more useful for them to hear a message saying, look, <clears throat> by and large, most people will be completely fine. Most people don't need counseling. Most people will be okay. And it's not the event that's going to determine whether or not you're going to be traumatized. Because if it was the event, if quote-unquote the event was traumatic, then everyone who encountered it would be traumatized. But we know that some people will encounter that event and not have trauma, and some people will encounter that and have trauma. If it was the event, everyone would. So it's not the event per se, it's how you go about making sense of it, how you think about it, how you go about getting support for it if you need to. It's how you deal with it that's going to determine whether or not you're going to get some sort of post-traumatic effect afterwards. So stop putting so much emphasis on the event being traumatic. Say, look, it's a challenging event. There's no doubt about it. But here's how you go about thinking about these things. Here's how you go about making sure that you don't take it on yourself. Here's how you go about processing it in a way that's healthy. Then you're going to be just fine. That would be more effective, actually. That would do a lot more good than saying, look, this is, you know, the Bosman trial. That's a traumatic event. You're in danger of having post-traumatic stress disorder. You have counseling available to you. It's free of charge. It's a good thing that you use it because this is a traumatic event. That in itself may end up creating more trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, than if you didn't have it in the first place. 
this is the way that uh, in the past conversations we've had, I think a lot of people view this, though, Theo, is, is they'll look at a courtroom situation, a courtroom scenario, and the judge has more than likely heard cases like this before. The Crown and the, and the defense more than likely have, 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 if they've been in criminal law, they've had some exposure to this. Certainly the police and first responders have as well. Uh, now, you look at those jurors, and, and, and by the way, especially when it comes to the first responders, I mean, there's some sense of, of training as they embark on that career to, to be able to deal with this sort of stuff. I mean, I, I've, I've got friends, and I know you do too, that are, are, are police, firefighters, and, 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 and actually, uh, you know, advanced care paramedics. And I, and I marveled. I said, how do you do your job? I mean, the stuff that you see on a daily basis. And, and by the way, we know that they, some of them are adversely affected by this too. Yes. But jurors are you, me, uh, you know, yeah. ev- just average people probably don't have any exposure to this stuff on, right. a, on a basis. No training in how to deal with this. How do you deal with that problem? In, in yeah, other words, they, they seem to be the ones that are most vulnerable in, in that courtroom scenario. Right. And that's where that educated piece really comes in handy, right? So uh, as far as the first responders, my issue is that they oftentimes actually don't have that kind of training. And they do the usual suck it up macho kind of thing until, like, it all builds up for them. And then they end up with all these issues, you know, that they end up seeing me for. And so I, I, I think first responders need way more training in terms of being able to help themselves deal with situations that they end up dealing with. Um, but for sure, uh, jurors who don't have any or very little experience of this need to have some education. And it also speaks to whether or not some people should be serving on that jury in the first place. So there are ways now, for instance, you can say, um, like if you had a medical condition that would interfere, you wouldn't have to serve as a juror. Uh, as a juror. And if there is some sort of you know, financial hardship kind of thing, uh, you can make an application for that and maybe you won't have to uh, be a juror. But what this brings up is, is do you have some issues in your past that have not been resolved, some psychological issues in your past that haven't been resolved, that will come up now for you and be triggered for you if you're going to be ending up serving as a juror? And so maybe we also need to incorporate that now into the screening process uh, for people and give them the option of saying, you know what, some of the things that might be coming up in this trial may actually remind me of some particular abuse or rape or assault or loss or whatever, you know, frightening, terrifying kind of experience that I haven't really kind of worked through. And maybe it's important for me to be able to work through these things rather than go into this situation where that's all brought up for me. And then I have to go get counseling for it. So maybe this is an opportunity for us to do some more prevention uh, where we actually deal with our things to make sure that we aren't going to be harmed by going through a process and, you know, fulfilling our civic duty. <clears throat> So, so that's the preparation element, and I get that. And and since uh, the minister, uh, Minister Nagvi, referenced the Bosma trial, and, and we've done it a couple of times, let's let's carry on on that theme. One one of the more astonishing moments, I guess, of that trial. And I remember having the conversation with our, our Alex Pearson, who was covering the trial for us here at CHML, uh, was when they showed the video of of, of what was going on at that uh, the hangar, of course, uh, and yeah. and then you saw the you know the the Terminator, the great big uh, incinerator, light up, and you knew darn well what yeah. it was doing. And, yeah. and Alex told us at the time there was almost a, a sudden, just a gasp in the courthouse, but <laughs> in everybody, you know, think, oh my god. Uh, that you you can't prepare yourself for that. I mean, you you probably know what the video is going to say, but you, until you see it, it's the same way when we see something unexpected in a movie. And I'm not trying to, you know belittle what happened in the courtroom there by, by, by drawing that art versus reality situation. But we get, sco- we get shocked. We get scared. That's got to have an impact on us, uh, no matter how much you get prepared. 
Well, um, so let's, let's put it this way. It's going to have some sort of impact, but how much of an impact and how much you take in on yourself, how much you carry around with you afterwards may have, um, may depend a lot on the kind of preparation that you do. And that's, you know, that's the reason why, um, for me, in terms of the training that I have done with my job is, you know, I hear a lot of horrific stories. How do I go about listening to that, caring, having empathy, at the same time not taking it on myself and having that impact my life so that I'm now thinking about that, obsessing about that, having images re-going through my mind about these different things I'm encountering through my clients. That's kind of the training that we, every professional who deals with this kind of stuff on an ongoing basis needs to have in order to do their job. It's not just about how to help other people. It's about being able to make sure that you help yourself so that you can do your job well without suffering from it. And that's part of the, part of the you know, we can give, put it together like a little mini course for uh, would-be jurors who are going to deal with something that we know ahead of time is going to have these kind of particular experiences. We, you know, we could build that in. You know, you, I, if I had like an hour with a juror who was going through this, I might be able to give them some tips about how to be there to hear the information, to imagine it to a certain degree, but to think about it in a particular way that doesn't end up leading them to dwell on it. And I would talk a lot, a lot with them about, you know, just understanding a lot about um, their own kind of emotions and how they how they deal with their own feelings and how to regulate their own feelings. A lot of people talk, for instance, about you know how things make them feel. You'll hear that language, right, Bill? You'll say, you know, you'll hear people say, "Oh, they piss me off. They make me mad." You know, that's oh, sure, me yeah. feel right. And if you have, and that's one way of screening people out for this. If you if you think a lot and talk a lot about how people make you feel things, you sort of got this way of understanding the world and things around you that. It's external things that determine how you feel. And you're much more likely to end up, quote-unquote, being traumatized by an event than people who understand that there are events, there are things that people do. But it's how you think about them, the way you make sense of them, that's going to determine how you feel. Ultimately, your feelings come through how you think about things, not directly from the environment to you. And that kind of cognitive behavioral kind of training can really help buffer a person to be able to understand how to think about it in such a way that they're less likely to be emotionally impacted by it. How do you? How, how does this process unfold? I, I got a, a few minutes left here. Uh, if, if somebody walks through the door and says, "Yeah, you know this this program, the province just instituted. I served on a jury. I, blah blah blah. Whenever it was, and, and I'm I'm adversely affected. I feel as if I've gone through a traumatic situation here." Is there a one-size-fits-all formula that you follow here, Theo, or does it depend on the individual? Does it depend on what they saw? How do you, how do you approach something like that? And at the same time, how do you balance that, that that you have to have empathy? And I know you, I've known you for a long time, and you do have that. But at the same time, you can't internalize what's going on with them either, can you? Yeah, and so that's two questions. How do you deal with it yeah. when they come to counseling? And the other one, how does it make sure that you're not impacted? I mean, the the first question, you know, what if someone comes in and they say, look, I've served in jury duty and I'm impacted, I need to help. I mean, there's no way of being able to say whether or not they do or not or why they need it. I mean, it's, they're now saying that they need help and you've opened up that door and so you're going to have to help them kind of make sense of it and see how it's impacted their lives and how they can kind of move forward and no longer have it be something that's so central to them. But the second part of it is really about what does it mean to encounter events, to care to do the best that you can, but to not take it on yourself. I mean, you know, you think about my job, all the stories I hear again. I have to understand, of course, it's something that happens to other people with other people. It's a lot of pain. I can empathize with them and care for them. 
but I have this kind of a barrier, a bit of a wall, a bit of a protection where I say, this is what has happened to somebody else. It's not happening to me. This is their life, not my life. And I have been trained and trained myself to think about things in a particular way that leads me to be ultimately responsible for my own feelings. I understand it's not the event that's going to determine how I feel about something. I'm not going to give the power to the event by calling it a traumatic event. I'm going to think about events as being challenges to me, and then I'm going to think about those things and get certain support and make sense of them in such a way that I'm going to be emotionally okay. And that comes from some training and a way of thinking about things that most people tend not to have. And that's why uh, we need to have that in place. If we're going to have jurors and we're going to say, yes, they're going to be dealing with difficult things, difficult challenges, we need to teach them a little bit about how to deal with those rather than after the fact and say, okay, now you've been traumatized, now let's get some help. Because I can tell you that once it's happened, it can take a long time to get back on track where it's one of those things like, uh, you know, an hour or two of education can prevent, like, long periods of therapy and damage to a person's life. So is one of the goals then that you want the, the individual to adopt the same sort of attitude that you've adopted? Well, uh, attitude, a way of thinking about things, to think about things in a particular way that give you more power about your own emotions when you encounter difficult challenges. And, uh, and, that, and that is something that we know that people do because, if again, people didn't do that, everyone would be affected the same way by an event. But you know that's not true. Everyone has these different experiences. Not everyone ends up with post-traumatic stress disorder. As a matter of fact, the vast majority of people don't have post-traumatic stress disorder. So what we've started to do is look at, you know, let's learn about what people who are resilient are doing. What are the kind of ways that they think about it? How do they make sense of it? What kind of things are going on in their own lives that keep them strong and buffered so that these things don't end up impacting them this way? Let's learn from what they're doing, and then let's teach those skills to people in general. And that's kind of more recent development. It's more of a proactive and positive, positive approach rather than just focusing on people who have been already harmed. So it, it, it sounds complex, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's really saying, look at you know, what happens from time to time, uh, you know, I'll you fill in the blank of what, what word you want to use there. Uh, but at the same time, you can't let it dominate you. And, and that, it's easier said than done for some people, but it's, it must be a, a rather long exercise to get them to see that and get them to internalize that. You know, it's actually not that really that long because it really does make sense. When I teach my, my students this, it kind of makes sense to them pretty quickly. It takes like a class kind of thing where they kind of get it, right? You know, a lot of it is language. When we really, when we think of events as being traumatic, and I, saw, I tell them, like, I don't want you to be thinking of events as traumatic events, because that implies that inevitably there's trauma involved for you. It's a traumatic event, so now all of a sudden you're going to be more likely to be traumatized. Again, think of events as challenging events. Not everyone's going to get traumatized. Most people aren't. So your expectation is that you will be well, and these are the kind of ways that you will approach it that will help you be well. These are the kind of things that are associated with resiliency and strength. That'll teach you how to deal with these things so you don't automatically think that you're going to be traumatized because the event is traumatizing. It's just an event. It's challenging, no doubt. Some events are more challenging than others. But there's ways that you can go about thinking about things, understanding that you're ultimately responsible for how you will feel. That we can teach you. And that's not actually that difficult. That doesn't take that long. It's a different way of thinking. We're just we're so used to looking at the external events around us as being responsible for our feelings, it's built into our language about how things make us feel. But things don't make us feel things. We can learn emotional self-regulation, and then if we have that skill, then we can encounter different events, and we're much less likely to end up having this trauma after experiencing them. Theo Sellis from Integrity Works. Thanks as always, Theo. Great to get your insight into this. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. 
Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.